Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Honeysuckle Rose from Jason Moran. Good morning. This is Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM. Thank you so much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is where you get to hear the very best of people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And alongside them, we bring in the very best people who are shaping the world of business, and we call them business shapers. I'm really pleased to say that my business shaper today is Martin Dawes. He's the founder of that very clever coffee business called Coffee Nation, which then has become Costa Express. Um, So you'll probably have heard of the former and maybe even the latter. You'll be hearing lots from Martin about how he just went about creating a bit of a coffee revolution here in the UK. In addition to hearing from Martin, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And then we got some music and it's fabulous today. Stacey Kent's coming up, Dr John, and right now, this is Dizzy Gillespie. <laughs> Dizzy Gillespie with Bang Bang. Martin Dawes is my business shaper here on Jazz Shapers. And as I said, he's the founder and former CEO, in fact, of Coffee Nation way back from 1997 and also the successful seller of that business. Uh, And then that business was so good, they sold it again. Martin, thank you so much for joining me. Morning, Elliot. Um, Tell me why you set this thing up way back then. What, What made you decide you were going to be an entrepreneur? Uh, well, I, I started off in a corporate uh, environment, uh, but worked out that um, I think big business really wasn't for me. Uh, moved to London, and I started a small consulting firm, which I then grew with my wife. Um, but after a few years, we were very successful, but sort of uh, felt that I wanted to build something bigger with a brand and a product. And um, the idea for Coffee Nation came about uh, firstly because I saw a photocopy of business putting photocopies into news agents and so on. And thought, great, if I could find something else that I could put into those locations, um, uh, that'd be a great business and very different to sort of the uh, people-reliant business of consulting. Um, went to America looking for some ideas and saw how big coffee was there. So it was it, that's how it started, coffee into news agents, and off we went. You make it sound so simple. Um, for, to jump from photocopiers uh, and location through to coffees, um, you know, most people wouldn't do that. The, I like the idea that you were moving from this people business thought to a to a product. Do you? Was there a reason why, apart from all this, is an easier way to you know, to make something big in the world? What is it about your relationship with things versus uh, versus versus the the more? you know, the, the trickier world of, of professional services, as it were. I, I think I think that was exactly the point. At the time, um, as I said, the, the consultancy was successful. Um, but one of the challenges, I think, with that at the time was was scaling it. And so uh, finding something that was a product uh, where I could build a brand. And I think the thing that I thought was that uh, looking at those photocopiers, um, you know, they were all potentially units, uh, you know, making money, 
literally sort of it's a cliche but whilst you're sleeping yeah so i thought if i could have thousands of of of, of machines or whatever it would be out there um you know all selling a product um a little bit of revenue from lots of locations that was a uh, a good thing. Sound like a good thing. But it, what's interesting is you you found a, a slot, as it were. You you were actively looking for something. I mean, before the the photocopier moment, had you said to yourself, "I need to do something else. I'm gonna I'm going to make my mark." Yeah, I'd, I'd, it's funny actually because I said to my wife at the time, I said, we'll, "Well, you know, I'll grow the business up to the consultancy up to sort of X X turnover, and uh, and then I'm going to start looking for something new." And and uh, you know, she sort of jokingly, but sort of you know perhaps not so jokingly sort of said no no you, you don't let me get in your way you you crack on um i think she was sort of glad to see the um, get me from from under her feet um so i was i think i was a bit frustrated and wanted to do something that was you know that would that would grow um yeah and that's how it started really stay with me for more from my business shaper today that's martin Dawes. he's the founder and former ceo of coffee nation time for some music this is stacy kent with only trust your heart Trust the stars when you're about to fall in love Look for hidden signs before you start to sigh the very gentle sound of Stacey Kent with Only Trust Your Heart. Martin Dawes, my business shaper today, founder and former CEO of Coffee Nation. So you had this idea, you went, I know what, it's not going to be uh, photocopies, it's going to be coffee. All very well to have the idea. Then what happened, Martin? How did you actually transform it into this business that you sold for many millions of pounds, um, some almost sort of 10 years later? Well, it was a long journey. Um, I mean, the idea actually came about because I was in New York and I saw there was a Starbucks on one corner of the street and there was a, a sort of 7-Eleven convenience store on the other. And uh, I thought the, the the Starbucks, I didn't know anything about real estate and, and, and had lots of employees. So I thought I'll, I'll, I'll avoid that. Um, the convenience store, there was coffee sort of flying out the door. People were buying, you know, coffee, dollar a cup, and it was walking out the door. And I thought, that's that's the model. So I came back. I started with instant coffee machines in corner shops. Um, uh, I was using Nescafe. Uh, Nestle said that the future was instant coffee. And I figured that's whatever you drank at the time at home. Um, so a cappuccino was kind of what you had when you went on holiday. Uh, and that's how it started. And it was a gradual process, Elliot, of trial uh, lots of experimenting, lots of, f- lots and lots and lots of failures, but of course that's how you learn. Um, and gradually over a period of time, I made the transition from instant coffee and powdered milk to real beans, ground for each cup, freshly steamed milk. Uh, put the price up, the sales rocketed. Uh, the Coffee Nation <laughs> so, name so appeared. The more expensive it is, the better it's a- going to abs- be. Ab- absolutely. I mean, the point you know, I was selling to start with, I was a sort of forty-five p a cup, and I was lucky if I was selling sort of fifty cups a week. Um, putting the drink price up. Um, you know, uh, it was a premium product, you know, and uh, so... And, and I imagine, I mean, you're mentioning these things and you're kind of en passant, as it were, but it must have been the steepest learning curve ever because, you know, you talk about, people always talk about placement and they talk about product and they talk about price, but you were literally going through it. And, and as you said, if you're keeping a tab on number of cups you sold, mm. you would know what X would do to the business and what Y would do to the business. Was that exciting, not knowing? It was it was it was exciting, but I think the entrepreneur at that stage, they have a huge amount of self belief and confidence mm. in their model and that's what propels them forward. 
Um, and, uh, you know, you get the bit between your teeth, you just decide uh, at some point not to give up and keep going. So it was, uh, I think it was more exhilarating. It got it got a little scary because I was getting awfully close to running out of money. Um, so there were lots of pivot points. Um, and But it's a journey that, you know, all entrepreneurs go through. You don't start a business uh, um, and, uh, you know, what you start out doing becomes what's ultimately successful. I think, you know, more than nine out of ten businesses that do become successful uh, achieve their success through doing something somewhat different to what they started out doing. So it was a very, it was a very steep learning curve. In those early years, just very briefly, what, were there moments when you went, "I've got belief, but do you know what? This is testing me enough." Oh, there were many times. I mean, I got close to thinking, you know, am I flogging a dead horse here? Um, you know, I had offers of money, and then the money wouldn't come in. Um, I tried everything to try and sell more cups of coffee. I, I, you know, it was coffee with a free newspaper with a free. You know, I think the most daft one was a free sausage roll, and I thought, well, if people aren't going to buy a cup of coffee, you know, they're not going to buy it if we give them a free sausage roll with it, are they? So, it, you know, it got to be pretty desperate. And, and the eureka moment really was when I actually went around some of the locations I had, turned the phone off, and I just thought, I'm, you know, I'm, it was sort of the 11th hour. And I actually bumped into a... He wasn't a customer, but he said, look, this is a great idea, but um, I can make what you're selling with a kettle and a jar of coffee back in the office. So it's got to be a real a product that really wows me and knocks me off my feet, and that was the the light bulb moment really that got me into gourmet coffee, the real you know the real stuff. Stay with me for more about the real stuff and how it evolved um, with my business shaper Martin Dawes, founder of Coffee Nation. Latest travel in a couple of minutes, and before that, some words of wisdom for your business. And I'm sure if you're on that steep learning curve, you're going to need it from our program partners at Michigandere. I'm Dina Shilo. I'm an associate at Mishkondorea in the Reputation Protection Group. In business, it's really important to think about your personal reputation and how your social media accounts might impact on your business reputation. So you might think that it's completely separate, that you've got a Twitter feed and no one knows that your Twitter feed has anything to do with your business feed. Well, believe me, people have worked it out or they will work it out. And the same goes for your Facebook account. I've had lots of incidents where people post things on their personal Facebook account. It comes back to bite them, sadly. Um, and the same goes for all your social media accounts. So it doesn't even if you do it anonymously, you think, on some of those forums, for example. That will all come out. So my advice would be to think very carefully about what you put on your private, so-called private Twitter feed, Facebook account, other social media accounts. Be really careful. Similarly with texts and WhatsApps and Snapchat that you might think disappears. Hello, they don't always disappear. Um, make sure that you think before you tweet, you think before you post. Consider that very carefully because you don't want it to come back and haunt you. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning from 9am, um, I meet someone fabulous from the world of business. And my fabulous person today is Martin Dawes, founder and former CEO of Coffee Nation. And we were talking earlier about that revelation of, well, I can make this uh, back in the office. Give me something special. Were there other epiphanies along the way, Martin, and, and how were you in, tuned into those? Because often we're surrounded by people that say smart stuff, even if they're not trying to be smart, they're just stating the obvious and we're too close to see it. How did you as an entrepreneur ensure that you were open to those things? Because self-belief can sometimes lead you down a cul-de-sac. Yeah, I think the um, once I had the big breakthrough, that, that, you know, that light bulb moment of realising that it had to be gourmet coffee, the real, you know, the real stuff, as I called it earlier, 
that was the um, usually if you look at the success of a business, it's usually one um, one major insight that causes it to be hugely successful ultimately, and that was the insight for for me and and for us as the, as you know as I grew the business, and uh, from that insight came the phrase self serve gourmet coffee. That was the category that we then created. We owned it. I was determined to own it and lead it. Um, so it was that single line of attack. Um, I think then there were lots of other smaller eureka moments and, and insights along the way uh, that enabled us to build the whole what we call operating system that enabled us to, you know, keep these. Uh, you know, we used to say keep the planes in the air. These were unmanned coffee stations. They operated in all sorts of locations, such as motorway services at three a.m. twenty four seven. Um, Logistical so, nightmare, though, isn't it? Ensuring all that the tr- all the planes are running on time. Yeah, we we uh, well, we outsourced we outsourced the logistics, uh, we outsourced maintenance to start with. Although we brought that in house eventually, because we we realised that we you know we had to do it better than the industry best, as it were, mm. as it was at the time. Um, so, but all of that stuff that we did very well built, if you like, a sort of a moat around the castle and gave us a very um, strong. Uh, advantage, so it was difficult ultimately for others to get in and, and compete with us. What that business became, though, from the le- from the moment from photocopiers to gourmet coffee to uh, processes, it, uh, that's quite a big shift, isn't it? Because then you're creating a machine which others would find hard to replicate, mm-hmm. and therefore has a, a, some intrinsic value. Mm-hmm. When you're running that kind of business, mm-hmm. that's very different to the steep learning curve, isn't it? Then you're talking about incremental changes which drive margin. You talk, I know, a lot about helping people, entrepreneurs, transition to bigger scaling, mm. scalable, you know, CEO roles. You were doing it yourself. Is that why you're sort of the, the most qualified person to talk about it? And if in that journey, did you realise you'd morphed into a different kind of leader? I think there's a there's a huge. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the best qualified to talk about it, but um, I mean, you've touched on that point, and part of what I do now is mentor other CEOs and entrepreneurs, and I think. Um, the reason I enjoy that uh, is, um, uh, and get asked to do it, is because you know I went through that whole journey from startup entrepreneur, where you know a very small business inside out and backwards, um, and you've you've really got. I remember my chairman saying to me, you know, it'll take you a couple of years to really get to know your business, and I was still learning about my business ten years later. Um, the next thing then is actually once you've nailed the concept, um, is to you've you've constantly got to have this ability to stand back. Um, and look at it from a broader perspective and not get too close to it. But then you've got to start to bring in great people that will build the bigger business for you. So the single entrepreneur can't do it all themselves. Um, but there's a huge transition. I mean, I was I went from, uh, you know, startup entrepreneur to a more mature, rounded CEO um, and, you know, over a period of time. And that was perhaps, you know, as as challenging as starting the business in the first place. Stay with me for more from Martin, my business shape today. Time for some music. Here's Dr. John with a cracker. It's right place, wrong time. Dr. John, with right place, wrong time. We talked about this transition. Um, the biggest transition, obviously, that happened, obviously, that happened for you was that you sold the business. 
Did you feel ready to sell it? I mean, what were the imperatives driving you right then? Or do you still, do you kind of think now, oh, maybe I should have held on a bit longer? I think business, you know, like a lot of things in life, it's not a perfect scenario. There's no such thing as a perfect scenario. So when we were raising money, we were very fortunate. It was late 99 and Coffee Nation needed a lot of money to get it going so that we could buy a lot of assets and roll out and get going quickly. So we were very fortunate. We were able to secure four million pounds of private equity investment at a time when pretty much the world was focused on internet startups, the first dot-com boom, which meant that we could uh, we could move ahead quickly. Along with that, part of that deal, the, the deal conditions, was that there would be an exit, and that was intended to be within six or seven years. So I knew that that was built in. I couldn't avoid that. Um, so it was really part of the landscape. Um, uh, everybody did very well from it. And yeah, of course, I think in, an, you know, in, some, scenario, in some ways I would have liked to have carried on with it, but... But it's great that it, it, it carried on successfully and I wouldn't be where I am now if, if I'd not hmm. done that deal. But those three bits, the creation of the idea, the scaling it up and then the money, which of those three was the most exhilarating as you look back? <clears throat> it's funny, I look back, I think the... Um, I remember sort of 99, 2000 and I remember thinking, my God, this is absolutely living the dream. It was a tiny business. It was all ahead of us. It was very exciting. We got large retailers saying, "Yep, yeah, we'd like to, we'd like to work with you." And somebody said to me, "You know, it'll never be this much fun again." And I thought, "No, no, no. You know, when we're a much bigger business, it'll be twice as much fun." And actually, they were right. You know, those early th- that early stage was was so much fun. Um, it was it was you know the, the whole process of scaling the company was hugely rewarding. And I think it's it, you know I hardly look back on a day where I, where I think it felt like work. It was it was all it was always great great experience and the money once it was in the bank the money's great of course um it was um part of being able to say yep okay job done it was it created a result um that was nice to have but i think i certainly found and uh myself and and subsequently talking to other entrepreneurs i think the money and post exit there's often a bit of a lull because money in the bank great but what next sort of thing Final chat coming up with Martin, and we'll be talking about what next happened after Coffee Nation, indeed what's going to happen now a few years later too. Plus we'll be playing some music from Robert Glasper. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Robert Glasper with I Stand Alone. Uh, Martin is with me, Martin Dawes, for just uh, a few more minutes. So post the money. You've got the money in the bank, as you said, and then the question is, what next? Um, You have moved into, as you said, the coaching world a bit. What else, when you stopped and actually reflected, obviously it was, as you said, job done, what was in your mind that you would do? Did you think, I'm going to have another Coffee Nation at that? Or did you think, you know what, it was fantastic, but I'm done? Uh, I think I was pretty tired at the time. Um, it had been a long process. The exit process had been quite exhausting. And at that time, I wanted to just take some time to kick back a bit. But then was keen to, or at least I thought I was keen, to go and do it all again, to be honest. I did spend some time looking at various other businesses and potentially starting something from fr- from, from scratch. Uh, but to be honest, um, 
over time, I think I worked out that actually I wanted a different approach to life. I love business. I thoroughly enjoyed it and still wanted to be active, but didn't necessarily want to commit another 10, 15 years long hours and and, Mm. and, in quite the same way as I'd done with Coffee Nation. It strikes me that you weren't proving a point. You were merely doing something you'd always wanted to do. And the reason I say that is that many people I meet here are kind of proving a point to somebody, whether it's themselves because there's some insecurity or whether it's uh, there's the father relationship, there's the mother relationship, there's the brother who's doing well or the sister who's doing well. Your motivation seems different. Uh, Actually, my motivation to start the business uh, and and to to make a mark was was absolutely, it goes way, way back. I was adopted. um, So it was very much about, you know, I was was different. So it was kind of like proving myself for for certain. But I think you hit on a good point. I think what I realised over a period of time post-exit was that actually I've done that proving. um, So I don't need to do it again. You know, I felt sort of quite comfortable with that decision. Mm. And being comfortable with that decision and comfortable in yourself, did that then mean you were liberated to say, well, what do I really want to do? Absolutely. Um, and I think that, um, and I, you know, to be honest, I mean, it, you know, it's different things for different people, of course, but I've seen some entrepreneurs that have piled back into the same sector or they've acted perhaps a little irrationally and then regretted later. And I think taking the time, it gave me the space to reflect what I really wanted to do. I wanted to, uh, you know, spend more time with my with my family, I wanted to travel. I, you know, I reconnected with some previous passions in life, such as flying aeroplanes. I also joined the board of, of another company. And then the mentoring of uh, other entrepreneurs, that sort of kind of happened by accident. So, so yeah, so it was a, you know, it was a gradual evolution, really. And that, that last part, the, the, the mentoring piece, um, there are some people who aren't very good at it, and there are some people that are. What makes you good at it? Do you think? Assuming that's what people say about you, Martin, uh, which I'm sure they do. Well, the yeah, I think the um, part of the process that led to the mentoring as well, and it was um, uh, I I wrote a book. It's called Wake Up and Sell the Coffee, and it, a lot of people said you should write the, you know write the story of building Coffee Nation. And uh, post exit, I thought, oh, we've done well, but you know, uh, so many other entrepreneurs have done well as uh, you know also. But then when I got out and I started reconnecting into the entrepreneurial ecosystem, I saw a lot of people had made sort of similar mistakes or still making the same mistakes that I'd made at the start and thought, hang on, I've got something to contribute here and and share. So so I wrote the book. The book was well received. And that was about telling the story of building the business, but not in a sort of zero to hero, anyone can do it kind of way. It was really sort of warts and all. This is what it's like if you're ambitious, if you're determined and uh, you're serious about building a high growth business. So from that, the mentoring started to develop. Um, and I think the key thing is that, you know, I went through the whole journey, uh, Elliot, from a blank sheet of paper and an idea uh, through pretty much, you know, most scenarios, regardless of what the product or the sector is. You know, it was recruiting, it was surviving, it was getting it to be profitable, it was raising money, it was dealing with people issues, it was dealing with customers you know all the stuff that you know growth companies have to deal with positioning themselves um knowing what they're not about as well as what they are about and so on um and and developing as an individual and as a leader as well so that's how that's how that's how it happened it's been really good to talk to you and and super insightful stuff too as well thank you so much just before i let you go though you can't dart off just yet what's your song choice and why have you chosen uh i chose the first time ever i saw your face by roberta flack I've been very fortunate that I've been married twice in my life, but both times to the same woman. So uh, we met when I was 23. We married, 
a couple of years later um, and then uh, separated a few years later after that um, but we got back together and uh, and just got married uh, last year so uh, and this song was played uh, as we uh, walked down the aisle so uh, it's for Trudy and it's a very special song was the first time ever I saw your face by Roberta Flack, the song choice of Martin Dawes, My Business Shaper Today. And what a brilliant reason for it. First time I've heard that one, he remarried um, the same person, his fantastic wife. How brilliant was that? Someone um, I found really interesting because he was so focused on finding a good idea, and he did, and that became Coffee Nation, uh, understood the importance of knowing how to scale up a business. So critical when you go from startup to scale up, when you make that leap. And uh, Martin has done that. And then incredibly self-aware, understood why he had become the entrepreneur and understood why actually for him, having done it once, it was enough. Um, I think really authentic and, and, and good advice to think about if you're thinking about setting up your own business. Um, great stuff. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday for another cracker here on Jazz FM's Jazz Shapers. In the meantime, stay with us, though, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business, but it's personal.